Welcome to Sex Ed in the City with Drew and Dr. G. About health and sex education in today's modern classroom. Get an inside peek into the world of sex education and real life stories from teachers. Hosted by experienced educators Drew and Dr. G, each episode brings you an open and honest discussion about a range of topics related to health and sex education. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Sex Ed in the City with Drew and Dr. G. Dr. G. Hey, y'all. How's it going today? How you living? Uh, it's good. I am finally feeling better uh, after being sick for a while. So that's a relief. Great. How are you? I see you have a fun background today. I am coming to you live from Provincetown, which is, for those who don't know, it's on the very tip of Massachusetts. All the like stereotypically gay places are like the hardest to get to. So you have to like go to Boston, take a ferry. Um, or Fire Island, you have to do all those things. So I'm at a lovely cafe right now, enjoying my enjoying my week off. I was really gonna be immature and be like the tip. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> Who do we have with us today, Doctor G? What's yes. going on? Who is this so, person? <laughs> I am so excited for our guest today, y'all. Uh, for many reasons, um, most importantly, because our guest today is my big sister, so that's a win. Uh, yay! So we are welcoming today Kelly Rasu. Um, so I'm going to read her bio a bit. Um, so after spending three decades in education as a pre-K teacher, K-8 to substitute, and pre-K administrator and a parent ec- educator, Kelly transitioned to the mental health behavioral health field with a focus on relationships and personal development. Kelly owns a coaching business, mentors teens in the Department of Juvenile Corrections, supports individuals as a community-based mental and behavioral health provider, and consults parents and teachers in their relationship with their children and students. Kelly has a degree in psychology, early childhood education, and is certified in positive discipline, Aldarian psychology, and nonviolent communication. So welcome, my big sis, Kelly, everyone. Hi. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Um, As Maria Forleo would say, I'm just multi-passionate. That's really what the bio should say. Oh, I love that. Oh, fancy. Yeah, I already have so many questions about all those things. I was like, right. I was like, what is this? Oh my gosh. Well, we are so excited you're here. Um, and it's so funny because we have very like similar streams of work, but very different lenses and like ways we go about them. So yeah. I'm excited to have you and to kind of get into what we're talking about. But yeah. do we have a question of the day, Drew? To start us off? Of course we do. The question of the day is, uh, what are your top three most embarrassing Rachel moments growing up? Oh my <laughs> You're God. so rude. I'm, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, man. I tell them, can actually. We get, can, we get one, can we get one at least? Oh, oh my God. God. That's good. That was good. Okay. You had Rachel there for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll allow you to tell one embarrassing story. Maybe that's fine. Are we going with that question? Yeah, for I think you should. Oh gosh, yeah. I don't know. Give us um, one. Give us a good one. Or if we we can give you time, if you need to think, and you can come back at the end. Yeah, you you answer first, or what's your first rate? What's your most embarrassing <laughs> Rachel moment? Oh my god, I don't know what mine is. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't wow. say it's embarrassing, but I saw a very vulnerable side of Rachel when she. Oh no, I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> when she got sick at our uh, our local state health and phys ed conference, 
<laughs> she's i mean everybody has their thing when they're sick but like rachel must have got it bad because we woke up and she was just like <laughs> she's kind of like incapacitated she couldn't move she was just like laying there when we had to ride home she she had like the chair back (laughs) i was Uh, so sick and he was just taking pictures of me and i was like ah hold on i'm gonna find the picture at some point but it's also very much like my friend jen when my best friend jen gets sick she is like but i get it it's not funny but i just wasn't sick y'all i literally was throwing up and having diarrhea like I was violently ill and I had to get up and pack and I couldn't I was so nauseous and then I had to ride for four hours in a car with Drew and another of our colleague and they hated me and I was like I'm dying (laughs) and they were like oh you just drank too much last night I'm like no I had one adult beverage it's something else I ate at the buffet that's what happened so I'm an no. asshole. I'm an asshole for even like, I mean, if that's the no. worst thing, just you being sick, like that's not even that bad. Yeah. Um, okay. I thought of two and they're not yes. really embarrassing. Um, they're more like they would have been embarrassing if it had me doing it. But the cool thing about Rachel is that she does things. And <laughs> even as her big sister, I'm like, Oh, I wish I had the guts to do that. Or she just, you know, she's, as you know, she lives in the moment really well. So two things, one um, years ago, she came to Idaho and we went sledding in McCall. (laughs) Um, And every time I drive by this location, which I just did this last weekend, um, there's a very, you know, steep hill that isn't even used for sledding anymore because it's dangerous. Um, They don't even allow people to do it anymore. But me and my family, including Rachel, went to the very top of that mountain. And Rachel, um, I think you lived in New York at the time. You weren't in California, right? Okay. But she came with her really cool big glasses, sunglasses. She had really big hoop earrings on and she had the cool ski outfit. And we went up to the top of the hill and I came down first and she came down and she ate it at the end, like tumble, 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 like, (laughs) like a cartoon, like turn into a snowball, only the snowball didn't happen. And she stands up like, I'm okay. But her glasses were like this and her earrings were all crazy. Like, I I cannot get that image. Every time I go by there, I have a little giggle because it was such a fun (laughs) memory. Yeah. I literally was doing (laughs) backflips. Like, yeah. Like the fact that you made it was uh, without being harmed was amazing, <laughs> but that's a fun memory. <laughs> uh, and then actually the other one is more recent. And my grandson and I were just talking about this like two days ago. Um, we were in, at the coast in Oregon and we, Rachel decided we were going to have a dance party in the parking lot. Um, and so she jumped out of the car and started dancing in the parking lot And then when the other sister was like rolling away, she was like dancing with the door and um, we agreed that it was super fun. So not embarrassed. I don't think Rachel, it doesn't embarrass me that she did it. I would have been embarrassed had I been doing it, but you know, (laughs) Rachel just rolls with it, which is what's fun about Rachel. So Mm -hmm. anyways, those are two things that I thought of. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. (laughs) Always Uh, trying to dance, always dancing. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Dancing. Oh my gosh, that was a hilarious day. <laughs> Although I thought you were going to talk about 
the Mariah Carey dance off. Oh, and I had. That, that was another good moment on the coast. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. that same trip. Um, I actually do have, a, I do have that picture of you in that special outfit. Remember yeah. what? Uh, oh yeah, you and so, you were in. <laughs> yeah, I brought a full body leopard unitard for my sleeping attire for our sister's weekend and work one night we were drinking wine as sisters do <laughs> and so okay the three of us kelly always videos the things because kelly does not like doing quote-unquote embarrassing things so she's always the videographer right so in all videos of us doing family ridiculous things kelly's videoing and you hear her giggling okay so that's the mode so me and dana <laughs> are doing a Mariah Carey dance off. We, me and Dana remember moves that we like routines we made up when we were kids. It was just, there's a great video. Maybe we can add it to the end of this podcast. I'll have to, it is a good Dana. video. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'll have to get Dana's permission about that, but um, yeah. it was yeah. quite. There's a, few, there's a few good videos. There's a good video of Rachel singing, um, uh, <laughs> what's the bon, the bon, John Bon Jovi song? Um, oh. A Wanted. Uh, oh. Want a dead or alive? My go-to. Want a dead or alive? I will oh my gosh. nail it, nail it yeah. every time. Yes, I'm nice. That's a, I'm that's nice. a good video too. We have. <laughs> <laughs> we have. Well, Rachel, you're just a legend. <laughs> yeah, she's the fun that's, sister for sure. <laughs> she's the Leo. She's the star. <laughs> yeah, uh, facts. You know, it is Leo season. My birthday <laughs> is I just mean... around the corner. As everyone cares, <laughs> I hope. <laughs> um, oh, oh, ridiculous good. um well let's get into some uh good juicy stuff for our listeners so kelly you're really big um you know all you you talk a little about connection in relationships and positive parenting and i would love to hear like you share with our listeners like, like your take on that and what does that mean to build connection with your kids and positive parenting just like what does that mean to you yeah, thank you. Um, so I believe that all relationships, whether with kids or otherwise, starts with connection. And that how you connect with yourself first will show up in how you connect with other people. And how that plays out in parenting really is, you know, let's be honest, for the first thing is what's your story about uh, you, how you were parented and then how you want to show up as a parent. Um, so that's one. Um, and then as far as with kids, whether uh, it's the work I do with parents or I just did a training for a summer camp um, just a couple of weeks ago um, on building relationships for a peaceful classroom. And that is really about uh, similar things that you guys have already touched on. A lot of active listening, a lot of asking questions and positive discipline, we call them curiosity questions. Um, a lot of not jumping in to fix things, but trusting the the child to and children together to figure it out we don't give kids enough credit to work their own skills that they have innately as adults we tend to want to like have what we call power over and you know i'm the parent or i'm the teacher so i'm going to come in and tell you what have has to be done because i'm older i have more experience which is why those things are true and we have a lot to offer we forget how smart, intuitive, and really creative kids are with solutions to a lot of 
problems, whether it be, you know, in the level of preschool sharing toys or whether it be like bigger questions, you know, if they hear something on the news, kids have a lot of insight on solutions that we don't give them credit for. Mm -hmm. So being able to connect, being able to connect with kids and first of all, allow them the autonomy to trust themselves and figure it out and be there to support them um, by connecting. And so connecting to me when it comes to kids is time, uh, your presence, not presence, as in handing them a lot of things. Um, and um, being really, being really present. So that means that you're putting your devices away, even if it's just for 10 minutes. I tell parents all the time that if you can, like, make it intentional to the point of like, you're almost announcing it, especially with little kids, they really appreciate because everybody, and I say everybody meaning about 95% of people are on their phone more often than not. And little kids notice that even teenagers notice that that's why they also um, are connected to their phone. Um, but if you are intentional by saying something like, I'm not, I'm going to put my phone on silent and this is about me and you. What, how do you want to spend this time? And for teenagers, it looks like getting into their space. So that might mean you've got to sit on the bed with your son or daughter um, who's into video games and just be present. Um, and they're going to roll their eyes and they're going to uh, say, why are you here? Like, but if you are consistent with like having good intentions about really caring about what they're doing and you ask questions, I just saw this modeled at the pool um, two days ago, a friend of mine who does not have any children uh, also has worked with me in education for years. I had my grandkids at the pool and the oldest one was um, on his phone and she came over and she just started asking about what he was doing and then he put his phone down and was literally giving her a lesson on, on how a certain video game worked. And I watched just in real time her using the tools that we have worked with younger kids too. It's different with older kids. You know, obviously you're talking about different things, but the intention of connecting and truly having interest in what they're doing is key. And kids can tell when you're, when you're bullshitting them real quick. Mm -hmm. And um, they'll call you out on it. Even little kids, even little kids can tell if you're faking it. Um, so that's, does that answer the question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I think about that piece of like parents or teachers, uh, doing too much for young people rather than, and I, I don't know if struggle is the right word, but like, really allowing them to kind of figure it out or to yes. essentially fail on their own and how powerful that is. I, yes. I think about my parents and I love them to death, but I feel like my mom did a lot of like the things that I could have figured out on myself and I got to adulthood and there's basic things like I don't know how to do or never really discovered because I didn't struggle in that way. So yeah, that yeah, really absolutely. resonated with me. Yeah. I usually, I usually tell parents that there's only two times that you really need to jump in. And that's when people or property are in danger of, of safety. Other than that, you can really lean back. And especially if you feel activated, um, and that, which is the new word for triggered, if you feel activated, um, like you have your own issues around it. And that sometimes for little kids will show up with um, 
uh, with the idea of bullying. And I use the quotes because bullying in early childhood is really not an appropriate term because early childhood, especially, they're just trying to figure out where they fit in the world. But parents would come to me often and say things like, they're going to be bullied and I'm not going to allow that and be very charged over in preschool world. It's you're not coming to my birthday party. You're not my best friend anymore or a little shove down the slide, which I know for parents that feels hard and scary, but the true uh, reaction from parents is that they almost almost I can't think of one time that this was not the case. They have their own story around when they were kids. And so oftentimes if we feel, I sometimes call it a hot button. If it's a hot button for us as a teacher or a parent, it'll show up in our parenting and it'll show up in our teaching. Um, and we need to really be cognizant of what those things are so that we can show up and really give the child the space to figure out what that means for them, not what we want it to mean for them. So um, there, you, there really isn't a lot of things that we have to, as adults, have to jump in for kids. Sometimes we need to wait until we're calm. I do this because this is what we call when our lid is closed. This is a flipped lid. Um, and uh, when we are calm, then we can go and say, hey, I noticed today this thing happened at the beach. I can tell that you were upset about it. Do you need some support in that area? Like we can start asking them questions so that they know that they're seen, heard, understood, that they that we have their back. We don't need to always jump in. And it's hard. It's a hard thing for parents because, you know, a lot of parents will describe the, the role of parenting as like their heart is outside their body and it's their it's, it's them outside of themselves. And so they want to protect it. I mean, that is, that's understandable. It's natural. Um, but I think that we do a disservice to kids when we try to jump in and fix like what you said, Drew, when, I mean, when we, when we do everything for our kids, we really rob them of the lessons to figure it out. And it's, it's a hard thing. Cause it's a, it's really, it's an emotional battle for parents for sure. Yeah. I think about a lot, like, what you said also, Drew, and just kind of piggybacking out, you said, Kelly, about like allowing them to fail and make mistakes. Mm. And that is a learning a skill. Like I know that for in my own life, like I uh, wasn't allowed to like go to party. I wasn't really allowed to socialize in high school mm -hmm. for fear of like, you know, I have very strict mom and stepfather. But when I went to college, I didn't know how to socialize. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm still like super awkward. Like, <laughs> um, but like that's you have to allow kids to like go yes. and be awkward and to make mistakes so they learn. And what better time for them to learn when they're young where the stakes aren't as high? Um mm -hmm. absolutely. Or they can like like, you know, people talk about fail. It's like, we have this such a negative thing about failing in our culture, mm -hmm. but actually failing is how you learn and how you grow. And I, I've seen that like with people in my family or, you know, you know, students I've worked with and the parents just like the control and not because they don't, it's because of, it's out of love, but it's oh, like, yes, oh, absolutely. they're never going to learn. Like, oh. yeah. Oh, Man, thinking about like kids who probably practice failing at a younger age and learning to work mm -hmm. through that are probably more resilient adults mm -hmm. and like more likely to take like I don't know like safe risks when they're older like yeah. just a new skill or something like I bet that's mm -hmm. like a learned habit as well yeah well, uh, 
Yeah. And even when we're talking about things like around consent, right? I see a lot when kids are young and, you know, kids are often socialized different based on their gender, right? And so a lot of times when boys are socialized, if someone like doesn't like them or even, you know, any gender, someone doesn't like, oh, well, that person's stupid. They don't know. Like, it's it's like this thing that that other person has a problem where instead of saying like, well, well, you know what? Not everyone's going to be your friend and that's okay. And sometimes people don't want hugs mm-hmm. and, and all that's mm-hmm. fine. So that when you get older and that is a sexual situation, someone's like, you know, I'm, I don't want to have sex. I don't want to do this behavior rather than like internalizing it or blaming the other person. It becomes yes. okay. That's fine. Yeah. And I think well, people don't realize that, right? It starts yes. so young, not even related to like sexual yeah. behaviors. It's about like, yes. do you want hug? Can I be your friend? Can I have this red crayon? Um, yes. That's where those I mean, skills so- are taught. Politeness is so ingrained in our, in our environment and in our culture that, I mean, I, you know, and I did it too, as a parent that say, sorry, that, um, go hug the, the, the uncle that you haven't seen since three years ago at the family reunion, you know, move away from my leg. Don't be shy. They're fine. Like pushing kids into, situations where they're already intuitively leaning back for whatever reason. We don't have to understand it as adults, but it's important that we honor that because how many times as adults do we get into a space where we just, it doesn't feel right. And, you know, it might be a crowded elevator. It might be um, going into a bathroom. It might be um, going to a party. It could be a lot of things, but if we are taught and honored to trust our instincts as a young person, then we don't ever know what it feels like to honor the feeling and then be okay. Because oftentimes what we're told is that if we don't do this thing, then we're being rude, we're being impolite, we're being um, unsociable, we're, um, you know, somebody, you know, we're not um, honoring, we're not taking care of the other person's feelings and the other per the other's feelings is not our job. And it's such a hard thing. I mean, it's a hard thing for me too. It, and it was a hard thing for me as a parent um, because parents feel very judged about how their kids are uh, presenting in front of other people. And so we make decisions sometimes as parents because of judgment from other people. And sometimes mm-hmm. even we don't feel good about doing it as parents but whatever crowd we're in or people we're around, we might feel like, oh, like I'm going to be, there's an impression that's going to happen about me as a parent if my child doesn't do X, Y, and Z. And one more thing, as you can tell, I could talk about this forever, but Drew, to your point, as far as like, if we never know how to handle the feeling all the way through. So for instance, if you are a four-year-old, and your parent jumps in to take care of your hurt feelings, which is understandable, but if they give you all the directions on how to do that or hand you an ice cream or take you to go get a toy or tell you, don't worry about it, they're just a meanie or whatever, then we ne- you never get the experience until you're on your own of what it feels like to go through the full spectrum of emotions. So the initial impact the sadness, the the anger, all the feelings that come up, and then knowing that you're going to be okay on the other side. This is why so many of us as adults will have a breakup or we'll have something, you know, understandably really difficult. And then we're like, I'm going to, I cannot live with this feeling because they never, 
got to experience the full spectrum of emotions. Right. Managing the feeling of <laughs> rejection, yes. right, is such a, listen, I, I'm a Leo, me and rejection do not get along, <laughs> but it's a thing to work through. How many people uh, go back to relationships because, or they stay with someone because the rejection, like all these things we learn we're so young bleed into who we are as yes. people, as adults. And, you know, my lens is always through sex and relationships and, but it really, it takes over there. Like we talk about, you know, a lot of people who are socialized as girls and women have a thing where sex is something that just happens to them, not something that they are a part of because that's what they've been taught. You're worried about the other person, right? Like how many women fake orgasms because they've been taught that this person's ego is more important than your own pleasure. And that all yeah. comes back to being a young kid and being told, oh, you have to share because it's this, or you have to do this. Unsexuality related things. Um, I literally have had yeah. that conversation so many times, Rachel, with my female clients where they have said verbatim, I'm faking it because I don't want them to feel bad. And my question to them is, what if you had a conversation mm -hmm. about what they need and about what you need instead of mm -hmm. faking it? Because you're kind of doing, you're doing a disservice for the other person, right? Because they're... Yeah. As that well person's as going around thinking they're a great lover, and really, it's like, right. listen, <laughs> they're going around like I put it down, and yeah. they do nothing. <laughs> so, like, maybe we could help them out. But then, right, the layers of also women were not supposed to be sexual because they yeah. were a hoe, and blah blah yeah. blah, all those things. Shame for um, us, shame for them, taking on yeah. everybody's stuff and needing to manage it by denying ourselves. And obviously, you know, I this happens for men too, uh, having to decide when the conversation happens and to bring it back to like what I, when I work with parents, when parents come to me and say, Oh, they're asking me questions. I, I will say to them, just answer them, use correct terminology, use science and answer. And you'll know when they're done hearing the answer, cause they'll be like, oh, I don't want to hear anymore or okay, I'm going to go play with my toys, mm -hmm. but answer, like they have questions, answer. You want them to come to you. Uh, that's a lesson my sister taught me. Um, you want them to come to you as a parent and um, as uncomfortable as it can feel, or, you know, when they get older and decisions they might make, it's important that again, going back to that relationship, if you've had that relationship and they trust you um, and they trust your reaction, then they'll keep coming to you. And, you know, hopefully if they don't, they have a, a great health teacher that they can go to, but that is not the case for everybody. Mm -hmm. So parents, it's important for parents to have that connection and that relationship so that they do come to you and ask you the questions or tell you the hard things, as you guys know. I feel like the it for me it's really hard to like let other people be in uncomfortable emotions like i mm. catch myself always feeling like i need to cheer them up or to do something and like letting them like even with matt my boyfriend like we were having like and i won't say an argument just like disagreement and like we're taking our space and i'm just like oh my god i just like it's so hard for me and i know that comes from my childhood and like my parents doing that for me and i'm just it's like an active thing. It's, it's so hard. So hard. Yeah. 
you're not alone in that, Drew. I feel the same thing. I practice it for myself all the time. It's I take on other people's things and not because they're asking me to. I just somehow decided very young that I needed to interject myself and in what they're feeling and then make decisions around that for them and myself. And it's a really hard, it's a hard thing to work through. So I feel that with you. Well, yeah. Not to turn this into a therapy session. <laughs> yeah. No, but I think it's <laughs> No, not really. I'm just, I'm just saying, I also say. No, I, I, appre I appreciate important. that. Like we talk about this and people think like, oh, well, we have to be perfect. Like, no, we all are working on these things within ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's the first, the first step is reflecting on your stuff. And it's like a yeah. constant learning and growing and trying and talking about it as opposed to I'm perfect. I do all the things. Cause that's BS. No one is. We all have things that we're working on. Drew's like, wait, I am. Absolutely not. I'm <laughs> but you know what, you know what I mean? And so I, I, because we do have a very judgy culture, right? Mm -hmm. And so I don't want people to think that, oh no, you have to be perfect. And this is like the thing. No, it's all about just reflecting and thinking about and working and taking it one step at a time. And you never arrive at like some like completed exactly. project. It's always a work and you're finding new things about yourself. Looking at a cloud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tons of work in progress. Um, oh Kelsey, I have gosh. a question for you, not to pivot, but. I was curious, I'm always curious about people's journeys to where they are. Yeah. And you talked about like starting in pre-K. How did you, well, maybe how did you decide that's what you wanted to do? And then how did you decide to transition out of that into what you're currently doing? Yeah. Um, so I get that question a lot because it, it seems vastly different, but in my mind, it's not vastly different. Um, so from the time I was, you know, being asked as a very young student, what do you want to be when you grow up? I always said teacher. And then and when I was a, when I was 15, I was in a pageant, a very small town pageant. My mom still has the article and has reminded me of this many times. Um, but I was asked that question. I, know, I was asked that question and I said, I wanted to be a child psychologist, not get married when I was 35 and then have three children. So I didn't do that in any of that order. And I'm not a child psychologist, but um, it's always been in my wheelhouse. I, first of all, Kids and dogs are my absolute favorite beings. Um, I think that we can learn so much from kids um, and we should look to them often um, of all ages, children of all ages. Um, and so I started very young in preschool and part of that was because I was a young mom. And so when I became a young mom, I decided just to stay in preschool and um, because my kids could go with me, it was practical and I loved doing it. Uh, long story short, I got burned out on the teaching. I really discovered that when I was coming home, I wasn't a very nice mom. Um, and so then I moved to administration. I really loved that piece. I enjoyed training and working with adults and families. And then I decided to take kind of the piece of that job that I loved, which was working with families um, and doing that parent education piece and turn it into a coaching business. And then that changed into working with individuals and couples. Um, and then, oh, and I went back to school when I was in my 40s, like Rachel's age now, I went back to school. <clears throat> At the same time, my two oldest kids were freshmen. I was a freshman in college. They were also a freshman. Uh, it was very interesting. The FAFSA season was crazy at that time, <laughs> to be honest. Um, 
And so anyways, um, and then, um, and then I heard about this community-based mental health, behavioral health that I uh, was qualified at that time, just simply because of my degree. Um, and then I found I really liked it. I mean, it has its challenges like everything, right? Um, we don't need to get into what those are, but it, 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 when I'm out in the community, every single day is different. Every person is different. Um, but it, all of the, the roles that I have very much line up with that core belief system. And what I uh, feel like I bring to the table well is being able to connect with people um, and making them uh, feel like they're in a safe space. So whether it's honestly, all those roles that Rachel mentioned, that is the key foundation is just connecting with people. And I just, I enjoy doing that. So it felt, it feels like it went pretty smoothly and it all just kind of rolls into one, but that essentially is how it morphed into what I'm doing now. Very cool. Yeah. I can't imagine. Sorry. I always think about the young ones pre-K Looks cute on the outside, but <laughs> so many body fluids. Just like <laughs> no, I know. It is Rachel and I not... often talk about how I used to say, "Oh, teenagers," and then I had my own teenagers, and I thought they were pretty cool um, <laughs> for the most part, and their friends were pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> but Rachel and I have often had that conversation about like preschool teenagers and she's like no way to preschool and I'm like no way to teenagers I did sub in a high school classroom once and I was like nope won't be doing that again it was just they were just I didn't like doing this <laughs> uh, it's funny because you but you know what you used to I remember when your kids were small and maybe maybe when it was just uh your oldest um yeah not all of them you used to be like, I'm afraid of, you used to like say you were afraid oh, I, of teenagers. And I absolutely. was like, what? I'm a, I was like a high school teacher. That's when I first started. That's back in yeah. California yeah. days. But yeah. I've seen a real shift in you. I don't think, I don't, you don't say that you're afraid of them anymore. It's just like no, the preference uh -uh. Of what you like to. Yeah, no, I actually really love teenagers. I think they're really cool. Um, and they're kind of idiosyncrasies and quirkiness. Like, I, I don't know if it's because I'm older and I can appreciate that more, but I kind of, I, I, I think there's a lot of value to kind of their, their vibe, you know, like, a, mm -hmm. this is what I want to do, even if it seems weird to the rest of the world or whatever. I, I, um, I think they have an uh, interesting perspective and we don't give them enough credit. We often say, oh, well, they're just a teenager. And that, that irritates me so much. So much. I, I mean, I am a lover of like 10 and up. Mm -hmm. Like, no, I don't want to teach middle school. Like, I don't want all the middle schoolers at once, but a small yeah. group I'm good with. Um, but yeah. I love because it's you're having like, act, like for me, it feels like actual conversations. We can talk about things. I can learn things. I'm not good with the like, want a juice box? Blow your nose. <laughs> like that's. There's more to it than that. Really, but, I but, but that's, but that's how I feel. Like, yeah, I'm always no, like, I, get it. I, I think I might've had kids if they come out like 10. <laughs> it's like the first 10 years that seems like really aggressive. Yeah. Um, you're not, yeah. I mean, you haven't, I would imagine you have like little to no time. You're always watching them or doing something. It sounds exhausting. Children. Well, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. It is part of it. Yeah, for sure. I well, I'm curious. Oh, go ahead. This might be putting you on the spot, but how, when you think about like your own journey as a parent 
and then like what you know now as a professional and then watching your adult children now parent yeah how, how like what is that like what comes up like t- talk about that a bit if you don't mind okay all right I don't know if my my nephews and niece follow this so maybe what you say. <laughs> um first of all uh I think that my kids do a good job parenting. They definitely do some things different than I would do now, but not necessarily different than how they were raised. And so this is a point that we talk about, especially in Adlerian psychology, about the imprint that parents make at such a young, young age. And that no matter, and I I didn't fully understand it until I saw the full circle of it happening in my own personal life. Of course, I, I see it and teach it a lot. But um, so when, you know, and and I should know because even my own how I was parented showed up, even the things that I didn't want to. All of us as parents at some point have said, I will never fill in the blank. And then when we're the most stressed, we do the whatever the fill in the blank is. That is universal. Um, and it's it's normal. You know, brain research says that we just fall back on the things that we were modeled really, not necessarily what we were taught. So to answer your question, it ha- I have to bite my tongue sometimes. Um, sometimes they will come to me um, for, for help. They know what I do. Um, we've even done a little parenting class in my living room with my son, my daughter and their spouses. Um, and that had its good and, and not good moments because they all, I raised independent kids who have opinions and that's what I wanted. And so they have opinions and they're not always what I in line with me. So I have to honor them as human beings also and their own parenting journey. So I talk a lot with my friends who are also grandparents. And uh, I one woman in particular she said to me, Kelly, I just remind myself that it's not my time to parent anymore. That's their job. And when if they want to come to me, then they can. So it's almost like what we were just talking about with younger kids and just interfacing with humans in general. Like it's really their journey and I can offer my input. They can read my my posts and my content <laughs> if they want. <laughs> they know where to find me. And what you, to what you said, Rachel, earlier, parents are always, for the most part, uh, there's some outliers, but parents are always usually coming to the table um, with their version of love and teaching and wanting their children to show up in the world as respectful, kind, uh, professional people contributing to the world and being able to, you know, make a living and do all that. So how people go about it is different. And it's, it's an interesting place to be in. Like I, now I understand what my mom said when my mom would give me advice or my mom would offer her input. I am now in that place. And now I can appreciate how difficult it was for her, for her to watch me and um, my ex-husband parent and, and see things that I maybe couldn't see. Cause I, and I see the same thing. Like I can see, kind of where things are going. Um, but it's not really my place to say. I mean, I'm, I'm sure if my kids listen, they would say, well, sometimes mom, you do say, and that would be true. Like, you know, <laughs> I, that, that is also who I am. And so, and sometimes they'll say, mom, I don't want parenting advice right now. I'm like, okay, 
Like I have to, I have to honor that that's their journey and that's the relationship with their kids. Also, the other thing that's important is that when I see my family together, it's everybody together, cousins and all of that. And I know what children bring to the table in those moments, it's chaos. And so I'm all, I'm not necessarily seeing their intimate moments just one-on-one or they're just their family together. And so I know that it's different. Um, and I have to remind myself of that. And when you're when when you're a grandparent, there's a whole other layer of worry. You have a wor- you worry for your kids, and then you are, and I say worry because that's that's kind of my mode. I'm a worrier, anyways. And so there's just an extra level of like things for me to think about, which is not really my job, right? I don't. It's not my job to control what they do. They know where I am if they want help and. I think I'm getting better at kind of just leaning back and being supportive. And so, but it, it's a tricky dance to say the least. <laughs> I'm yeah, I have a hard time with that as well. I'm just thinking of, I have no like children, but I think of like when I had student teachers as well. I don't know if this is like a similar analogy, but like when, how much to let them like, struggle and figure it out as when to offer support because like sometimes Mm -hmm. they're tanking during lessons and you're just like oh my god this is painful to watch and I want to intervene it's like okay like let's let them do this and we'll talk about it after but also to your point Kelly oh my god the you're talking about like family gatherings like they're always I mean especially if you have big families like it sounds like yours is like they're chaos kids are running around screaming like there's always people hitting each other like fighting or playing yeah. like it's not I don't think it's fair to judge people's parenting styles yeah. based on yes those interactions mm-hmm. wow yeah that's a really important point what I think is interesting so for our listeners and Drew you may or may not know this so Kelly and I are actually half siblings we don't we don't consider us of that but we have different moms same dad um so I find it interesting that we are in similar fields mm-hmm. um like we didn't grow up in the we didn't grow up together in the same house we're seven years apart uh, Kelly's seven years older than me she would come visit for the summers um but our moms made sure that we were connected um but I find it interesting that we have such similar careers, mm-hmm. even though we are raised in different households and neither of us were raised by our father. But I'm still wondering, um, I'm thinking about dad, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and what in him did he give to us that made us these mm-hmm. caring type of people? Because you know, our dad was a hot mess, but he would give his last shirt to a person that was experiencing homelessness on the street, yeah. no questions asked, no judgment. He welcomed people into his home that he probably shouldn't have. Like he was that yeah. kind of person. So I yeah. wonder if that yeah. is something that was given to us from him. Well, I like to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely it was. Cause I, you know, as much as our dad had his own challenges for a variety of reasons, mm-hmm. he, exactly what you said, super kind, um, and very accepting of all types of people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, yeah. So anyways, and also kudos to our moms. Yeah. I think about this often because they made sure that uh, we 
continue to be together. So thank you to our moms. Um, And to our dad, we are both Rachel and I, and this is important in, um, and this comes up a lot in parenting is specifically Adlerian psychology is your birth order. So while I'm older than Rachel, because I'm seven years apart and we weren't raised together, we are both firstborns. And so Mm -hmm. we have similar like things, um, you know, like firstborns bring, (laughs) do you see my little face? We have similar things for, you know, I don't want to say control, but also, yes, it's some, sometimes it's control. It's like wanting to help the family. Yeah, exactly. And so because we're the oldest sibling in both of our prospective families, um, it's also interesting, which also plays into our role of these like caring fields, right? Of wanting to teach and care for people and support people um, just by nature of also us being firstborns, essentially. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about our moms and... um... And I'm hoping to have my uh, my mom on the show. She's actually going to be on in a couple of weeks. Yeah, um, I can't wait to see that episode. <laughs> a good time. Make sure y'all tune in for that. But awesome. um, <laughs> I think about that a lot because <laughs> I just think it's funny. First of all, dad definitely had a type, first of all. <laughs> um, second of all, it's even though they both made sure we were connected, there's still like a little baby mama drama. Even though our dad passed like, years ago neither of them have been with our father for decades a long time yeah but there's still like a little yeah there which i think is um i just find it funny because obviously of course um but i think it's it's such a testament like i'm so appreciative of that because i you know there's seven i have seven there's seven of i have six siblings all of them are half except for one yeah. And I, uh, I am close with most of them. And I appreciate that from, from my mom and your mom. Um, because I don't walk around and say, oh, I have, this is my, I don't introduce people to pick, I, yeah. I never introduce you. This is my half sister. Yeah, I said I it now for context. Yeah, yeah. I never say yeah. that. So I'm so happy that we have that. Cause I know so many people that the half siblings, there is not a connection at all. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Or they don't even know them. And I, I do yeah. often wonder if we have any other siblings that we just I've don't know about. I'm waiting for Ancestry23 to send me an email. <laughs> um, I have a quick question for Drew, if I'm allowed yeah. to ask questions. Ah, totes, yes. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, Drew, what are your thoughts when you're wa- watching me and Rachel? Do you Can you tell that we're related? Uh, <laughs> I would say yes. I was like trying to think of like why I thought so. I mean, just in the way you speak, I mean, you're both so professional, so it could just be a professional thing right now. Um, But yeah, I love the fact that you're both in similar fields. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that you have strong relationships with the people around you. You're both very caring people. Other than that, I think I need to get to know you a little better. I think you need to come to New York or Miami. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Well, you you've you've met uh two of my siblings so far. So I need you to Yes. Met I Dana. think yeah, I think you gotta come to the family reunion at, when we have yes, one please. ever. Yes, please. Oh, yes, and I met your mom. I met your mom oh, virtually. You did. <laughs> yes, when I was living at mom's during COVID. But uh she yeah, she asks about you a lot. She's always like, Is that cute guy I saw uh, on Zoom? <laughs> yeah, so you gotta uh, send Kelly the video of you with Lola. Have you sent her that yet? 
I think I that's probably my, did. That's my favorite video of all time. I don't know <laughs> Maybe why. Maybe we should put that in our blooper reel at the end of oh, the season for oh. everyone to see. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen it, Rachel. That doesn't sound familiar. Okay, I'll send it to you. Thank I you. mean, I also send a lot of videos to people I love of me doing ridiculous things. So <laughs> if I'm sure. ever famous, I think I'm in for a whirlwind of her. I'll be on Jimmy Fallon when just like famous. so embarrassed. Oh, thank when? you for that mind frame change. It was it was like peak COVID. Rachel's like in Arizona with her mom and she just got Lola each other like in a pack and she's just like prancing around just being yeah weird. I have not seen that it's just so stupid funny <laughs> I acted oh I made a copy video for yes that. and then you did you did a fan video <laughs> okay we're gonna have to post this at the end of this episode so people can see how ridiculous Ugh. we are as friends um I get a as a teaser to mom's episode oh my gosh Ooh. um it. Well, Kelly, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go, Drew. Yeah, I would say like, yeah, Kelly, I guess like I'm really taking away from this conversation, like the importance of connection. Um, I don't know if I'll ever plan to be a parent, but like really thinking about that. What are you, how would you say that like, or give advice to maybe um, teachers or people who work with? uh, As far as building connection? Yeah. How would anything? the first step really is to connect to yourself and figure out like where you have disconnections to repair that. I know, I know. Um, and then, um, I I think the, the first and foremost important thing about connection is being curious, being curious about yourself and then be curious about the other, whoever, whatever the other is, whether it's a a partner, a student, a child, you know, your own, child, but being curious and really having genuine um, curiosity about what they're about. Um, And that even means young children when they're growing, because as much as we want to, as much as they have some of our DNA, or they have our DNA, that doesn't mean that they are us. And, And a lot of times what parents do, including myself, um, is we want our, we, we want to like, make our kids be something either that we missed out on or either that we hoped and dream. And so for some parents, uh, and, and I know that you guys have seen this in education, it's almost like their kids are somewhat of like a trophy um, and they get pushed to the point of like what their parents really wanted um, or, you know, and, and those kids usually often go the, quite the opposite, right? Especially during teenage individuation stage when they're like, trying to push away from the adult in their life and figure out their own identity. That's when they usually often will uh, push away from those pushes that we give as parents. So connecting to yourself and then being curious. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I feel like so many people, parents included, just really aren't connected to ourselves. I know that's a journey as well, but like, really, I can think of a ton of people that are not super including myself for a large portion of my life oh same still working on that um but I think that's really important with when we talk about sexuality education the first thing that I teach teachers or talk to parents about is you have to know your own shit when it comes to sex and sexuality and identity before you can ever teach it right you're not going to be prepared to talk to your kid about if you're still with your own stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And unfortunately, a lot of people do take, like even teachers, they're trying, but they're not realizing that they're putting their own values and their own stuff on mm. their classrooms or even parents and and not to judge parents or to shame them. It's just what we do right. as humans, our own stuff comes up. And I just think that self-reflection is so important. And I wish it was a skill we were taught more from a younger age, because often it comes with like maturity. Mm-hmm. But like, that's what people say. I wish I knew now, you know, I wish I knew what I knew now when I was 20. But I think that that is a skill that we can refine younger if we're taught how to. Yeah, my five-year-old grandson um, learned how to meditate in preschool. And it's the cutest thing ever to watch him meditate. And then to ask us to meditate. Like, grandma, I think think you need to meditate so you can calm down. Whatever that means. I mean, I'm not like angry with him, but yeah. Um, Grandma, do you need a nap right now? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's amazing. So I think that that conversation is happening more in education. Mm -hmm. You know, emotional regulation Mm -hmm. is a big thing, Mm -hmm. even especially in preschool. I mean, that's really where it has to happen um, before all the things happen when you become an adolescent. It's really hard to start a meditation it's not impossible but it's harder to like get the brain to to go there and learn that mm-hmm. as opposed to learning that when you're a young child in preschool for example yeah yeah emotional intelligence is so important i think about one of our other sisters and how she parents and um you know my 10 year old nephew is so emotionally intelligent for a 10 year old like yeah. we can say like how are you feeling and he, he'll be like really descriptive in his feelings yes. and open to being like wow i feel really nervous about this but then i and i'm like more emotionally intelligent <laughs> yeah. than most adults i know yes. which is yeah. really a testament to um you know our sister's parenting but it's it's cool mm-hmm. to see and i do think a lot of people are learning that now you know, and, and even in school, we're talking about like emotional mental health and social emotional learning. And, you know, mm-hmm. SEL is in some places like controversial, yes. but I'm like, this is just, you know, we can talk about it's that why in another day. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just like really like understanding emotions, being able to like, I'm having this emotion because and more than just fine or yeah. okay, good, angry. Like, yes. Yeah. Um, so I, I do wish that we were, I, I love that it's happening in pockets in some places. And I wish mm-hmm. it was happening more yeah. for people of all ages because yes. yeah. we all need it for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. That was yes. awesome. I know. I oh, It's so fun talking to my sister about professional things. Yeah. Because we usually thought, don't. We just talk about like yeah. sister stuff. So it's yeah, I have so many, yeah, so many things to add at another time, but um. Yeah, I love watching you guys, by the way. So kudos to the work that you're doing and the work that also looks like just an absolute great time. So <laughs> oh, thanks, sis. Yeah. Keep doing it. I enjoy watching it and listening to it. So I don't think I've missed an episode. So yeah. Thank you. Thank you for putting it out there, both of you. Like just I want to acknowledge the work that you're doing. And I know it's your still your time and and um it's your heart and you're sharing important information. So just big kudos to both of you for the work that you're doing. It's, it's awesome. Oh, thanks. That means a lot. Yeah. Thank you. Kelly, do you want to um, share with our viewers, like how they can find you on social media, if you feel comfortable or like an email or website? Yeah. 
Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at Kel Rasu. My last name is like rescue, but without the C. So K-E-L-R-E-S-U-E. Um, and then my website is Kelly with an IE Rasu.com. So that's that's how most people will reach out to me is through that. There's a chat box on my uh, website. So awesome. awesome. When we post your episode, we'll post your socials as well. So people get in touch with you and we'll even put it in the episode description so that awesome. anyone who's Thank listening, you. if they want to get in touch with Kelly, um, they can. We're so excited you um, had time for us today to Thank come you. on. Yeah. And yeah, it was awesome. So we will see everyone next week for the next episode of Sex Ed in the City. Until then, have a great week. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. You. Bye. Follow us on Spotify, podcasts on Apple, or our YouTube channel, Sex Ed in the City. Stay connected. We hope to see you soon.